Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Dickon Benninger. I love his name almost as much as I love him himself. Dickon is our guest on the Alter Your Health podcast this week, your source of information and inspiration to promote the holistic transformation of your health and the health of our planet. Dickon is an expert in teaching the three principles of mind, consciousness, and thought, and supporting people in understanding these principles with the intention of helping them awaken to the beautiful world that they are a part of. And that's what this conversation is all about, the three principles. We don't really talk about them that much, but we talk about the implications and the potential that understanding the three principles can have in support of your mental well-being which, by the way, is available and with you at any point in time. And I think the same is true for for your physical well-being. It's available to you at any point in time. One theme of this conversation is wisdom and how wisdom is the divine energy that's always flowing through us. I like to say that it's the same energy that supports the physical body in healing from physical conditions. This wisdom is the source of infinite potential and creativity that we have access to if we can only just get our minds or our our brains to quiet down. And that's what we talk about today, quieting the mind or quieting the brain to have access to divine mind, quieting our thought world so that we can have access to the divine wisdom that you are, that you are, that you are. So we talk about this kind of stuff in this conversation and hope you're in the mood for some enlightening and inspiring information. So if you haven't already, if you're a new listener and you haven't yet subscribed, rated, or reviewed this podcast, I would so very much appreciate it if you did. That supports me in allowing me to have the ongoing feedback that I need to keep this thing moving forward in the positive direction so that we can evolve and grow and learn together. So subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. 
And on that note, why don't we all just sit back, fall back, and relax, fall into the wisdom, and into the wise words of our guest, Dickon Bettinger. Dickin, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on the Alter Your Health podcast. Welcome. It's great to be here, Benjamin. Yeah, um, I was first introduced to you in person just a couple months ago, and I really resonated with your your message, your energy, kind of everything that you bring into the world. And one question that I maybe could, you know, we could lead lead off this conversation with, you know, I was wondering what you do, the, the question, what do you do? And I know I don't really like that question, but I'm curious what your answer would be if you were to explain what you do to like a third grader. Well, fortunately, I love what I do, so I, I, I don't mind talking about it at all. <laughs> uh, I sort of pinch myself. <clears throat> uh, to a third grader, uh, what I do is help wake people up to their well-being. I help people um, enjoy going through the ups and downs in life more. I help people use their minds more wisely. I help people find their way to more feelings of love and understanding. That's, that's what I do. I'm a retired psychologist. Uh, I've, my whole career, I mean, I say I'm retired. It's pretty funny. I, I've retired my license. I'm working probably harder than I ever have been. Uh, but uh, my whole career has been focused on psychological well-being and rather than and what's wrong with people and i find it uh much more helpful to help people access their own well-being so that's that's what i do i get the i get to travel all over the united states and all over europe and give seminars and psychological and spiritual well-being. So that's that's why I say I don't mind talking about it. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. So I'm glad you don't mind talking about it. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to me how, how many people there are in the world who don't have a direct, well, we all, we all have this direct connection to our well-being. And I think that's very well understood for the most part intellectually by most people Um, and experientially I think that there is an increasing number of people feeling disconnected I mean based on statistics around mental illnesses and increasing rates of depression and suicide and Mm -hmm. you know lack of fulfillment in life why do you think that is Uh, two things. <clears throat> I don't think most people have a very good idea where their feelings come from. And I don't think people have a very good sense of 
their connection to a deeper intelligence that can really help them in every aspect of their life. Mm. And so those two things, uh, if people haven't been taught about those two things, it's just sort of hit or miss whether people find their own innate well-being easily. That's a little bit like if you give somebody a computer who's never seen one, it's hit or miss how well they're going to be able to use it. Mm. <laughs> it sure was that way for me when I first started using computers. So it's like, yeah. it's and here hit we, or miss. And here we are with this big computer in our skulls. And um, is that what you're kind of referring to is this computer? That is our brain and our, you know, human, the humanity of our brain. Well, trying, uh, I, I like to think more than brain. Yeah, well, and, of course. And I, like to, I like to think that our mind is what runs our brain. And that the brain is a computer, but like any tool, it can be used wisely or unwisely. Mm -hmm. And but this this misunderstanding I was talking to you about that causes so much psychological suffering. If if people don't know where their feelings come from, what that means is they attribute their feeling to something in the world that's not really responsible for creating that feeling. Mm -hmm. So if people feel stress, they attribute it to their circumstance. If people feel angry, they'll blame another person for why they feel that way. If people feel good, they'll blame it on the weather or on uh, someone else making them feel that way. And uh, if we walk around with a misunderstanding about where our feelings come from, we're going to feel like the world makes us feel lousy. And we're going to make, make it seem like there's something in the world that if I find and can hold on to, it'll make me happy. Well, I mean, I can, I can really understand and appreciate that just based on the fact that, you know, I, I want to be happy. So I want to create, or, you know, there's part of me that wants to create a world that reflects happiness back my way, whether it's through work, through relationships, through all sorts of things, you know, pretty artwork, pretty house, mm -hmm car all these things that i interact with every every day i want to create something that reflects happiness back at me but but where do my i mean you've got you so where where do where does the happiness come from <laughs> <clears throat> i like talking about innate well-being which means innate means it's inborn it's built into every single human being already. Every human being already has perfect well-being inside of them. Where we run into trouble is an understanding about the role thought plays in our life. 
thought is such a beautiful gift, Benjamin. It's, it's such a beautiful gift that we're given when we're born so that we can have experiences in life. That's a power that it's a creative power. So whatever thought is created in me, I'm going to experience like anybody else. That's true, true for everybody. So if a sad thought is created, you feel sad. If an anxious thought is created, you feel anxious. If a loving thought is created, you feel loving. It's very scientific now. And yet it's one of the most misunderstood facts in the world that 100% of our feelings are created from the power of thought. And I've traveled the world and I've asked people, what are you feeling and where do you think it comes from? And I never hear anybody say, well, it's obvious, it's just what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the, say, well, why, am, why are you stressed? And you'll hear all different answers. Yeah. Biochemistry, weather, traffic. Mm -hmm other people, the fact that I don't have any work, uh, 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 endless reasons. You ask people, why are you feeling happy? And they'll give you endless reasons for why they think they feel happy. And it's, it's just a misunderstanding because we, it's only recently that it's been discovered or rediscovered that 100% of what we experience is created from thought. In the same way, if we went to a movie with a movie projector, we could say 100% of what's created on that screen is coming from what's on the film in the projector. You mentioned just a second ago about some science. I don't know if you use the word science, but some some new, some something new that's confirming this. Are, are you talking about it? Science in the in like the scientific method and scientific experiments, or are you just talking about science in the scientific observation of in what both sense, in both sense, in a okay. research sense, in a phenomenological sense, in a sense that there have been people throughout history who have. Uh, uh, discovered the truth of this simple fact that there is not a single feeling we can have that isn't created from thought. And as soon as our thinking, like one day you can hate somebody and the next day you can like them. And that's the same person. Next day you can have tons of work to do and feel very relaxed. The next day you can be completely stressed thinking about the amount of work you have to do. And then you have lunch and you stop thinking about the amount of work you do, what happens to all that stress? It goes away, why? Because you're having different thinking now. And the stress doesn't come back until you think about it in a way that causes stress. And if you think about your work in a way that doesn't cause the stress, you won't feel stressed no matter how much work you have. If somebody says something mean-spirited to you, you won't experience what they said. It's not possible. You'll experience what you think about what they said. So you have 10 people, 
all get the same insult. One person laughs, one person cries, one person's afraid, one person has compassion, depending on how they think. Now, it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just how human beings operate. So this is, this can be verified. It's been verified through research studies. It's been, they did 500 research studies on the misunderstanding in psychology that adverse situations cause people's stress. So they studied people in horrible circumstances, right? A tornado destroys your neighborhood and kills people in the process. Some people feel stress. Some people feel enormous relief that they weren't hurt. Other people feel gratitude that uh, nobody in their family was killed. Other people are devastated. But you can take any situation that we think would cause stress. And if you put enough people in that situation, you'll find there's as many responses as there are people. To me, that's fascinating. I mean, it's just, it's so intriguing. On any one particular day, I don't know how I'm gonna respond to a certain circumstance. It is very fascinating. And at the same time, I'm thinking about society and social, I'll I'll use the quotes, social norms and what's expected, maybe, you know, for like in the tornado example, maybe it's expected that there's devastation and loss and grief and pain and suffering. So do you think that societal norm influences the thoughts that people let in and cling on to? It, it, It does. Like innocently, we've all been taught from what other people have been saying to us from when we were born until now. We've all been taught by the people around us because they use the language that says things in the world cause me to feel the way I do. Mm-hmm. You'll hear it all the time in people's vocabulary. But as people... I. Uh, I have colleagues along with myself who are teaching this understanding about how thought is the sole source of experience, how we're all connected to innate well-being and wisdom. We've been, uh, uh, there are people teaching that in contexts all over the world. And it doesn't matter the group of people if it's true that that's how we all operate. Talking about that with people reminds them of what's true. And then they have insight in going, oh my gosh, that is true for me. Like I, when I went to my first training in this, all of a sudden I saw that a lot of the thinking I did made me anxious. And when I realized that, I would just stop thinking about a lot of things that made me feel anxious. So I had less anxious thinking. So I experienced less anxiety. And I said, this is unbelievable. This was your first introduction to this understanding. 
Yes, I'd been a psychologist for 10 yeah. years. And like any other psychologist, we thought experience was caused by stressors in the environment or other people or circumstance or personality or the past or biochemistry. But you saw in that moment with those thoughts that those were anxious thoughts. And I saw myself thinking yeah. up anxiety and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's Why interesting am I doing because I think that here I am using the think word, <laughs> um, but I, I I feel like most people don't feel totally out of control with regard to their thoughts, and you know, you hearing you tell that story of oh, I saw that I was thinking these anxious thoughts. And then I was able to separate from that. Like I, I get it on in my intellect, but can you walk me through how that happens? How that separation occurred in that moment, distancing yourself in a way to, I don't know if this is accurate, but choose new thoughts or choose what you me, were holding on to? This, this is great. Man. Yeah. It's the power of insight. So let me talk about insights for a minute. And, and the critical role in learning that insights play. Say, say we're trying to learn how to ride a bicycle. It can be really hard at first. And then all of a sudden, it's like you get it a little bit. You, you have an it's what you have a little insight about balance. You you might not be able to articulate it or explain it, but all it goes suddenly from being hard to suddenly being easy. I remember when I was studying fractions. I I wasn't a very good math student, but for some reason I had immediate insights into fractions that made it seem so simple to me. <laughs> and pretty soon I'm teaching other kids in the class about fractions. Here I am, this horrible math student, but fractions, for whatever reason, seemed really easy. Right? You're trying to learn how to use a computer. Without insight, you wouldn't learn how to use it. Now it's the same with learning about how our minds work. you begin to have an insight into the logic of, these, of this principle of thought. Like, it's always true that what you think creates your experience, and as your thinking changes, you'll feel different. If your thinking doesn't change, you'll keep feeling the same way. You're angry. If you keep thinking about something in a certain way, you'll keep feeling angry. And then someone says, hey, Dick, and it's lunchtime. I go, oh, really, what's for lunch? <laughs> you see? But then I can, I can have an insight that I have free will, and I can either think about something or I can stop thinking about something. And pretty soon, my whole understanding of feelings changed. My feelings weren't a statement about the world, they're a statement about the thinking I was doing. So if I'm feeling sad, I'm having sad thoughts. 
it's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's how we're built to have experience. It's very cool. It's what a thought is what allows us to have any experience in the same way. A movie film is what allows us to have a movie. It's very cool. And whatever particular frame the light shines through, that'll be what's on the screen. And it's the same with human beings. Whatever thought we have in mind, the light of consciousness shines through that and brings it to life as an experience so we can experience our feelings and be aware that we're having an experience. Right? It's always worked that way. Yeah. It always will work that way. And when we understand that, it helps us because we, we keep catching ourselves using our thinking in a way that creates stress or tension or upset. And we, and we begin to let go of more and more and more of that thinking. So we have less and less thinking in our minds. Hmm. Right? Now, here's the deal. As soon as we have less thinking in our mind, it's built into us to start feeling better. And when we feel better, we have more common sense and are better able to deal with problems and situations. So it's enormously helpful for us to understand the nature of thought and how it works to create human experience from the inside out. In other words, it's not the outside world creating my experience. It's the thoughts created within me that are creating my experience. That's very empowering. Mm -hmm. Very, very empowering. You talked about the increase of mental illness, more depression, more anxiety. One problem. People are having uncomfortable feelings that they misattribute to circumstance or the past or biochemistry or other people or situation. They feel more and more helpless. So they do even more thinking about that. And that thinking tends to lower their spirits even more. Innocently. Yeah. Innocently. Yeah. We live in the very, I would say, disempowering way in that sense you know the 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 role of we'll call them medical professionals or mental health professionals takes and you know in the conventional traditional setting takes the power outside of the individual to label and say this or that and we need to tweak this and fix this. But what I'm hearing you say and what I've always really resonated with personally in, in the terms of the, our mental health and mental well-being as well as our physical health and physical well-being is that we are always connected to this healing force that has, yes. our, has our backs. We are being lifted up. Our, where our natural state is health and, heal and well-being. Our natural state is health and well-being. And, <clears throat> and yet this, you know, paradigm that we're in, we're, we're not really empowered to step into that and to 
to embody that. This, this we are is we are new... being though through through your work and through these kind of things. But yeah, it's it's a new paradigm. This inside out paradigm that life is created from this the power that has the power to create. So the power of thought creates all of our mental activity and whatever mental activity is created we experience and we can't not experience it mm -hmm. so there's nothing wrong with having any experiences i feel stress and upset and but boy does it make a difference if i know where it's coming from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i no longer can say my wife annoys me or mm -hmm. bothers me or frustrates me my thinking yeah creates annoyance bother and frustration my own thinking so now that's actually feel. very empowering because yeah, you, i'm a free thinker and you and you are acknowledging the reality of the feeling in the moment yes and you're just not labeling the cause as this or that or Extreme. the other exactly that's right. Yeah. That's right. It's very empowering. I mean, I still have these feelings like we all do. That's normal. That's being a human being. But boy, does it make a difference where you think it comes from. You have two people, just imagine for a minute, two people, and they're both feeling upset. And one knows that it's some thoughts they're having creating that feeling. And the other one thinks it's another person. What would the difference be between those two people? How would their experience of this feeling be different? One knows it's just their own thinking, and the other is sure that they're upset because of what this person has just said to them. Yeah, well, if I was upset because of somebody else, then I would want to change somebody else, and I would That's want to right. cha change the world. I'd want to That's fight them. I'd want to bomb them. I'd want to annihilate them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I used to do so much thinking about other people because I thought they were making me feel this way. And then I had to try and analyze what they were doing and what I should do. And we can't, none of us can analyze our way to our innate well-being. Hmm. The paradox is when we stop analyzing, when our thinking, personal thinking falls away, we have all kinds of presence and clarity and for no reason we start to feel better and we get thinking that's more helpful, more common sense, more practical, more creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that you talk about that I always appreciate is this exactly what you're talking about and pointing to now, which is this energy that's always coming through us, but we can be in a, thought or not that can block it or resist it or you know negate it but this this energy that's always coming through us that i also equate to the self-healing energy in the physical yeah. body yes. and you you call it wisdom and yeah. could you describe or define wisdom in your terms 
Wisdom is an intelligence behind life. It's a formless intelligence that breaks through into human consciousness to guide us toward uh, thriving. So you see this same intelligence in nature, like flowers, this intelligence can move flowers so they face the sun and then they follow the sun. This intelligence knows how to take light energy and turn it into energy for the plant to grow. It's the same intelligence. Like I was reading a book, uh, The Hidden Life of Trees. And it's talking about if a certain insect starts eating the leaves on a tree, the intelligence behind that tree knows how to change the chemical compound of those leaves so that it's distasteful to that particular species of insects. And not only that, it sends a signal through its roots and through the fungi underneath the forest to all the other trees saying, change your biochemistry so that your leaves are not tasty. <laughs> wow, that, that is wisdom, yeah. <laughs> and 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 to begin for me to begin to understand the notion of wisdom in human beings it's like throughout the ages people have said have talked about wisdom this isn't new. the wisdom teachings and but we used to think only certain people have wisdom or you have to gain it with age right or with experience or right. with understanding and now we're beginning to see wisdom as an intelligence built into every single human being. With any human being I've ever worked with, and fortunately all, my, all the people I've worked with have been human beings, but with, <laughs> with, any, uh, with anybody I've ever worked with, when their head clears and it, their people's minds are open, we're not being influenced by what we're thinking. We're really in the now. People feel better and they intuitively know what's right to do. And that's wisdom breaking through into human consciousness. You can call it intuition, you can call it common sense, you can call it just, some people are calling it non-conceptual knowing some people call it being creatively responsive to difficulties and challenges. What I love is it's built into everybody, but and we can't think our way to it. Mm. So it's very interesting to me that when I see most adults who are feeling stress or upset, they think even harder about what's going on and innocently block the flow of wisdom. And why is that? Because of this misunderstanding. They don't know that their stress is created by their own thinking. If you knew that, you'd, you'd set your thinking down in the same way that when you touch a hot stove and it's too hot, you don't need a technique or a course or a program to tell you, take your hand off the stove. As soon as I started seeing it's my thinking creating this feeling of stress, tension, upset, I 
back off from my thinking. It's, it's called just falling into the now, just falling open. It's letting go of thought. And here we, when we, the paradox is when we let go of thought, this deeper knowing comes through us. Yeah, it really is a paradox. I mean, I, I remember, you know, years ago having conversations about wisdom and experience and thinking that, oh, well, all I've got to do is really create a life that allows me this experience or that experience so that I can, you know, accumulate and gather all of these experience experiences that, and, and use them to be wise and use them for good and use them to cultivate wisdom. But it's totally not the way that wisdom is cultivated. Wisdom isn't cultivated. Yes. Wisdom That's is right. just experienced in any moment by, I love how you just say, you know, falling, falling back clear with a clear mind. That's why so many people in the world meditate and pray is that they're looking in a direction where they're letting go of everything they're thinking. And in that space that's created, that openness, universally, people start to feel a deeper sense of connection to life and have more just intuitive knowing that's helpful mm -hmm. on how to deal with any kind of situation, mm -hmm. any kind. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I know that a lot of people in the three principles understanding are averse to techniques and practices such as meditation. They, you know, it's like not part of it, but, um, part not of necessarily, me, not yeah. necessarily. I think that that's sort of a global statement. If, if it occurred to me in my common sense to do something, I would do it. Yeah. It's not like there's rules. It's right. Uh, the, the principles just say, this is how life works. Like gravity. Gravity doesn't tell people whether to jump off the roof or not. Right. The principles don't tell people to do or not do anything. That's a, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> there's implications of the principles. Like there's implications of gravity is once you understand gravity, you're not as inclined to jump off the roof of your house. Mm -hmm. Right. Except if there's a snowdrift down there, like I did as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> then I may be more inclined to try it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was thinking recently about how there's more and more people, you know, meditation and mindfulness is just this kind of booming thing that people are, you know, bringing into prisons and schools and yeah. Um and it is a tool and a resource and you know, it's it's like it's it's like a necessary I, I the way i see it feel it and see it is that it's like in our crazy world like there's got to be something for people to just use or to just know or like a a tool for people to access who who might who might not have this understanding you know 
like a, a tool to bring people into the present moment who might not. Let's say, uh, yeah. let's say we lived in a society where people walked around with hammers and would hit themselves on the head all the time and have horrible headaches. But they had, no one had ever taught them about hammers. So if you walked up to any one of the people in that society, they're hitting themselves on the head. And, they're, and you say, why are you in so much pain? And they say, well, uh, there's a lot of bad weather today. There, or there's a lot of traffic. Or there's a lot of, and you, you say, well, there must be some technique we can teach these people. And somebody says, no, they don't need a technique. They just need to understand where their pain is coming from. So you start saying to people, do you know why you have your headache? Look at what's in your hand. When you hit yourself with the hammer, that's where your pain is coming from. Now, it may sound funny, but that's the state of the nation. Mm -hmm. I've traveled the world and and said, what about thought? And they go, well, what do you mean, what about thought? My, my brother is pissing me off. My neighbor is driving me crazy, right? This other, my work is causing me stress. And you say, well, what about all that stressful thinking you're doing? What about all that angry thinking you're doing? What about all that judgmental thinking you're doing? The anxious thinking, what about that? And they go, oh, once they see that connection, they don't need a technique to set the hammer down. Right. Totally. Right? That's, totally. that's the thing that blew me away about this. This is the first thing as a psychologist I'd come across that wasn't based on having to use technique to gain well-being. You just had to understand the nature of thought. You had to understand that you were connected to a deeper intelligence that when our mind is free of our personal thinking that intelligence brings us well-being automatically and naturally mm -hmm. would you say that meditation or a or a mind or a practice or a technique is one way of setting down the hammer but it's not the only way or okay <laughs> sorry i'll give, I'll give my <laughs> i'll give my own case yeah <clears throat> before coming across these principles I didn't understand about, I, I truly didn't understand that all of my feelings were created from thought. No one had ever even suggested that. No one, no one had said 100%. People had said sometimes, a little bit, maybe, one of the reasons, one of the causes. Right? You look into causes of human experience and you know, there'll be as many causes as there are people writing about it. Right? And I studied with some of the best meditation teachers and I was meditating four hours a day when I came across these principles. Because I thought I had to do something to develop a meditative state. And I start learning about these principles and I asked about this and they said, well, why would you develop what you already have? Your natural state is meditative. 
But if you don't understand the nature of thought, you'll always be filling your head up with a lot of thinking. And the more you understand the nature of thought, the more you set down, the vast majority of our thinking isn't helpful or necessary. It's just a lot of little hammering we're doing. Mm -hmm. So as we start to realize that, we set it down, the stress goes away, the anxiety goes away, the sadness goes away, the hurt goes away. That's called being resilient. And then when those thoughts go away, we, it brings us right into a meditative state, which is very relaxed and very alert. which is what everybody's looking for. <laughs> but it's already there. It's just covered over by this thinking that's created because of a misunderstanding we have about where feelings come from. As the misunderstanding clears up, we start setting down more and more of the thinking that we do, which is unnecessary, maybe 90% of our thinking. Right? we start setting down that more, we start living more in the now. Mm -hmm. And for no reason, we just start to have deeper feelings of aliveness and connection and well-being. Mm -hmm. So I went from meditating four hours a day to having insight into the hammers. I started setting the hammers down and found myself walking around in a natural meditative state much more of the time than when I was meditating four hours a day. I love that story. I love that story because I think that it really points to the power of, of what we're talking about. It does. Yeah. And my family was really happy because now I didn't have to run off to meditate to find well-being. Yeah. I could be sitting with them, fall out of my personal thinking, rest in the now, this wisdom fills me up with feelings that connect and thinking that's helpful. Mm -hmm. right? that's, that's one of the best ways of describing a meditative state as a natural state of deep relaxation, but you're highly awake and alert, mm -hmm. fully present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so powerful because, I mean, you think if you think about it, it's like when you're meditating, if, if you're meditating, if one person is meditating for four hours a day, then that's four hours a day that you're not doing anything else. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's yeah. like, why not access that and be in the world and yeah. be yeah. in your Just life? The, yeah. the people that I knew that were gaining insight into thought and wisdom, becoming more aware of the role thought played in creating all experience inside out and becoming more aware of the intelligence behind life that breaks through when we're open. They were becoming more meditative than the people in my meditation class. Isn't that interesting? Who were twice a day trying to sit and do a technique for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the rest of the time, this, see, the, the problem is, Benjamin, this is the biggest problem. 
And I have nothing against meditation. I love meditation because I did get to quieter states and great feeling. But then I'd walk out of meditating. My right. kids would be arguing and fighting. And I would think they now have ruined my state. They've pissed me off. They've made me anxious or upset. Yeah. And I still, I've worked with many, many long people who've been meditating like I had for 20 years who still attributed their feelings to external forces. Yeah, well, you just need to go to three, three hours, you know, six hours a day. <laughs> or that's like, that's what I was doing. I was doing three-week silent meditation retreats, and I was really seriously considering doing a three-year meditation retreat. Wow. Because wow. it seemed like... That's the only way I could finally get to a point where I wasn't affected by the world. And now to find out I never am affected by the world. I'm yeah. only affected by my thinking. I'm not affected by the world. So I don't have to meditate. So I'm not so, so I don't personalize the world so much. I, I need to gain insight and understanding that allows me to be less in, less affected by my, by my own conditioned thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm really just realizing now is how meditation or any other practice can be a tool and it can separate and it can just silo you back into an alternative reality and keep you pointing the finger at something outside of yourself. And okay, well, I'm triggered and I just got to go meditate. Oh, I'm triggered again. I'm, I'm going to go meditate. And it just maintains this or it can. Well, that's, it reinforced the outside in view that the world makes you feel the way you do. So there must be something in the world you can learn to do that makes you feel better because the world makes you feel bad. It's based on a premise or an assumption that's not true not accurate if a hundred percent of our experience is created from the power of thought other people don't influence me or cause me to feel good or cause me to feel bad what i think hundred percent will create what i'm feeling hundred percent i have a friend who uh teaches these principles to men in prison, and now women too. And at first, they cannot believe that other people don't cause you your, their feelings because people would say something to them or even bump into them, and they would feel like they were being disrespected, and they would get extremely angry and have to fight back to maintain their honor. Right? So they lived in a world of the people make me feel angry and then I have to act on it, but I have to even if it gets me into trouble. Right? And then they learn this understanding. It's unbelievable to hear them talk where they begin to feel like I can live a healthy life. I can really live a good life. I never thought I could. Right? 
I'm just living in the world of my own thinking. So if I understand that, I'm not so frightened when I get angry or upset. It doesn't bother me so much. I know it's just some thinking I'm doing. I know if I wait a little bit, it'll pass. It always does. The more I leave it alone and don't think into it, the quicker it passes. Mm -hmm. I become, I, so to see these men and women become, come back to their natural resiliency, be able to get over upset very quickly, be able to live in beautiful feeling, be able to learn to listen for and trust their own wisdom and common sense. They can leave prison and create a good life for themselves. The, the recidivism rate, the percentage chance that someone will come back into prison after you let them out. In the United States, it's like 70-80%. Right? After a year of going through this program in prison, the recidivism rate dropped down to 10%. Wow. It gets us into trouble, and only our wisdom can get us out of trouble. Yeah. It's, it's really powerful and empowering. It's very empowering. Yeah, it is very empowering. I'm, so I'm curious, Dickon, in your world, in your day-to-day, -day, could you walk me through a time of when you feel, have felt disconnected or Im imbalanced or upset? And just can you t walk me through your your thinking around it and navigating the inevitable as I see it? <laughs> yeah. Well, every day. Yeah. Everything in the world of form goes through cycles. So you have night and day, you have breathing in and out, you have tides, you have, there's cycles and patterns. Things are born, they live and then they die. Right? There's these natural cycles. The quality of our thinking also is on a cycle. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why it's so, that's why it keeps on coming back and back it, and again it, and again. It will always come back. Yeah. Because it's on a cycle. It's and, and we call that in human beings, we call that moods. I've never met a human being who doesn't have moods, who doesn't have ups and downs in the quality of their thinking. Well, that's, I, I think I need to let that sink in because I, I think that I've been under the impression that moods are not, I didn't know that every human being, I thought it was, you know, maybe 90%. I didn't know it was 100% of human beings. Every, every. I've, I've never met a human being who doesn't have moods. All right, well, all right. Then now we get allowed. better and better at going through moods. Yeah, so walk us through that. Like, okay. For me, uh, uh, a low mood just means I have more judgment in my thinking. It feels darker. I don't feel as connected to people or to life. Mm. Right? So in a low mood, I can, I'll have more judgmental thoughts about myself or about other people or about work or about life or about politics, right? Get upset, 
feel upset, feel bothered. Right? That's a typical low mood. Anybody who has kids or grandkids knows about moods. <laughs> well, I don't have any kids yet, and I can, I can let you know that I know about them too. <laughs> I know. Okay, good, good, good. Because it's so evident when you, you, you look at other people. And then if you look at yourself carefully, you see that we all have ups and downs. Now, let's say I'm having a low mood. So I'm not feeling as good. I'm bored, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, normal low mood. If I don't understand where that feeling is coming from, I would attribute that low mood to circumstance sort of people. If I know that it's created from thought and that it's normal, I leave it alone. And when we leave low mood thinking alone, it passes very quickly and we come back up again. It's called being resilient. So with an understanding of the nature of thought, we still have low moods, but we blame less. We misattribute less. We misunderstand less the nature of our experience. We might still do that at times, but not as much, hmm. or maybe for not as long. Because sometimes it does seem, I get gripped in my thinking, and it does seem like the traffic really is affecting my mood. And then at times I wake up and I see the thought hammer and I set it down and my mood lifts and there's still as much traffic. But now I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a book on tape and I'm not in a low mood. Mm -hmm. And it's the same situation. So how, how could I blame the situation? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, we, we talk about um, feeling and thought changing and passing moment to moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes on this topic of moods, I feel like moods for me don't necessarily change and shift moment to moment. Moods kind of carry more, it's, there's more residue in my experience. It's there, I can have like a mood hangover and like, oh, I'm, I was in a bad, you know, negative thought pattern and negative mood and it lifts, but it's not an instantaneous lift. It's kind of like, all right, the sun's coming back out. Is that, is that natural? <laughs> or Here, yeah, That's a really good question. Re yeah. Really good question. There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. <clears throat> I watched my little grandson when he was first born have all kinds of feelings, mm -hmm. all kinds of moods. But he had no thinking about it, so he went through it very gracefully. He didn't feel bad about what he was experiencing. He wasn't wishing he felt better. He wasn't trying to do anything about his experience to change it or to improve it. He wasn't meditating. He wasn't as a technique, he wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. It was just totally present and the mood would come through him. That's health. Mm 
in healthy human beings, they have an understanding that allows all of their thinking and moods to flow through naturally. Maintaining your resilience and not blaming the world. So it's possible to be in a low mood and with no thinking on it, you can still be kind. You can still do your work. If you're an athlete, every time you have a low mood, you don't have to go sit on the bench and wait until you're in a good mood before you can play. You do have to be present though, right? So when we're present, we have these moods, but they flow and they don't really feel that bad. They just flow through, right? So my wife can say, Dick, and you look like you're in a low mood. And I say, yeah, and it's not a problem because I'm not blaming her for what I'm feeling. She's happy about that. <laughs> I'm not concerned about it. I don't have to pay attention to that thinking and that keeps flowing. I don't, uh, uh, as one of my clients says, I don't have to sit down and have a cup of coffee with every thought that comes in that's of lower quality. <laughs> Just let it flow through, that's healthy. That's taking responsibility for your thinking and your feelings. It's normal. Mm -hmm. There's a difference when I'm in a low mood and doing a lot of thinking about it, it's quite painful. When I'm in a low mood and I'm like a baby, it's not painful. Mm -hmm. It's actually, it's, this is, there's no language for this. I'm in a low mood, but it doesn't feel bad. I'm sad, but it, there's no holding. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing wrong. Sounds like peace. You're at peace or comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're at peace with what is. Yeah. It's like our thinking creates all kinds of weather, and you don't have to hate weather to live with it. Right? So there's people who are comfortable no matter what the weather is. And there's other people who every time it rains or gets cloudy, complain, 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 as if it's the weather making them feel this way. You see how it can be a vicious cycle? So as people gain understanding about the role of thought, they stop blaming the weather for how they're feeling. And that when we do that, we be, it flows through us more gracefully. And when that happens, we become more resilient. When we become more resilient, more of that wisdom comes through that guides us toward how to live with the fact that we're having moods. Mm -hmm. So when we're in a low mood or when you're in a low mood, because maybe you don't know for everybody, but you know, I'm sure you know for yourself, when you're in a low mood, do you feel connected with your wisdom? It depends on if I'm caught up in my thinking or not. Like, like think of it, like I played sports all growing up and, and my favorite sport was soccer. And it didn't matter what mood I was in. If my mind is open and my thinking is flowing, it's called being in the zone. Zone pays no attention to what mood you're in. You don't have to be in a good mood to be in no. the zone. No, that's a misunderstanding. Otherwise, you'd see athletes stop 50% of the time. They'd sit there helpless until they got into a better mood. 
So being in the zone, if I'm hearing you accurately, is really just being in the present moment and being aware of the nature of thought. Yes. That's all it is. So we don't have to wait for the good thoughts. No. Or wait no. for the good moods. Only ego waits. In truth, at any moment that we're not holding thought, there's enough space for wisdom to break through and guide us beautifully. It can, it can help us when we're really upset. At our, at our own wisdom will say, this isn't a good time to tell the person I think they're a jerk. This isn't a good time to send this email that I was going to send. Right? Just common sense. Yeah, this, these are good examples of common sense wisdom. Don't yeah. do that. Don't or, say that. <laughs> yeah, the, don't do it. Or, or walk out of the room if you need to and calm down. Give yourself yeah. a time out. Or Go out, it's take a breath of fresh sense. air. Yeah. Yes. We can be terribly upset. We, we're a thought away from having access to common sense which just means we're not caught up in our thinking at that moment. We're not holding on to that thinking. Right? So the more I understand the nature of thought, the less compelled I am to hold on to my thinking while I'm upset. My teacher used to tell me, Dickon, when you're upset, you can just ignore whatever you're thinking. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not bad. It's like it's it's not like the inhale is good and the exhale is bad, and if we're healthy, we're not going to do the exhale because it's bad. So we're only going to inhale. I'm not going to have exhale <laughs> as if there's something wrong with the exhale. There's nothing wrong with a low mood. There's nothing wrong with being upset if you take accountability for that rather than blame it. You blame it. It's boy. It's there's going to be all kinds of psychological suffering. Mm -hmm. You don't blame it. It's just a normal human experience. Like I can tell when my wife's in a low mood, but as she just gets a little quieter, she's not as prone to say things. If she does say something, I know it's going to be a little judgmental because you take any human being on this planet, if they open their mouth while they're in low moods, it's going to have more judgment than it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why little kids, when they're upset, can say to a parent, I hate you, I hate you. I'm never going to look at you again. <laughs> and if we understand the nature of it, we don't take it personally. We go, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, it's, it's really hitting me now just the power or the potential power of the collective operating in understanding, you know, as we kind of talked about pointing fingers at causing problems and fighting. Yes. And it's like, wow, if, you know, as, as people hang on to this understanding and allow this understanding to, to move them, I can really see the peace that ripples out from it. That's un it's unbelievable. Yeah. When I learned this, my daughter was almost 14. My son was almost nine. And I still had low moods after I learned this, but I had a different understanding. 
And most of the time, not all the time, because I didn't always see it, but most of the time when I was in a low mood, I could tell by my feeling. And I wasn't as prone to try and parent then. Or I had enough common sense to parent in a way it didn't make things worse. My wife and I used to call that minimizing the damage. Damage control. <laughs> damage control. It was damage control, definitely. Yeah. You know, say some things, but uh, uh, don't stay with it in a way that makes things worse. Yeah. And it eliminated fights and arguments because it takes two to have an argument. And if one person doesn't do it, it's not an argument. Mm -hmm. And then we would have great discussions when we were in a really good place. And we could creatively solve any problem together, right? When we we're both in a good place. You get both of us in a low mood trying to do that. It didn't work out very well. You get both in a low mood using our common sense. We would find ways of being in the world and being in our family that didn't make things worse just because we were having a low mood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like in our conversation, we've really just obviously we've scratched the surface of the understanding and the potential for how the understanding can impact every nook and cranny of your Never. everyday life. Never. Yeah, it's, it's just endless. And uh, I wish we could have some more time to dive into some of these, you know, examples of how, of how an understanding like this can, can support navigating day-to-day -day living and maybe that's maybe that's episode two maybe that's the next round um, yeah, because i think there's just so much potential for for implementing and i, I don't even like using the word implementing but just yeah embodying yeah, this uh, it's an understanding that has some pretty common sense implications right right that are that are helpful well are there any favorite resources that you have to point yeah. in, you know, beginners to for uh, reading or listening or. The, the first person I heard this from was a man named Sidney Banks. And there's on, like on Amazon, they have maybe five of his books and some CDs or, or, uh, digital downloads you can get uh, very interesting man uh, and <clears throat> one of the uh, I think the clearest teacher of the power of thought the power of consciousness the power of wisdom or our big mind uh, to create and operate life uh, so he has some he has some uh, stories that teach the these principles, uh, the enlightened gardener, and the enlightened gardener revisited. There's a book of his called uh, the Missing Link, which I love. It's just uh, it talks about these principles in a very simple, straightforward way. It's not a teaching story. It's the only books 
Sid wrote that wasn't a teaching story. He thought stories were a great way to learn things because it would, stories can get in under our intellect. So we're not as prone to just argue with ideas. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Unless you're something, someone as intellectual as me. I can, I can, even in stories, my, my intellect can fire on and think, okay, yeah. well, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. but that, that's all right. I wrote a book called Coming Home, Uncovering the Foundations of Psychological Well-Being with a friend of mine, uh, Natasha Swerdloff in Denmark. Um, I, I tried to, for some people, make Sid's teaching a little more accessible. Yeah, I think uh, you've I think you've succeeded in doing that. I mean, I obviously didn't know Sid, but I know that your teaching is accessible. And then thank uh, you. Yeah. There's there's uh, lots of resources. If you, uh, I, I would recommend one one website is three uh, pgc.org. <clears throat> and they have a lot of resources and uh oh if you want to hear sid banks talking or see him there's a website uh www.sidbanks.com yeah uh, and there's 10 half hour streaming videos of sid talking about the principles and they're excellent I, i'd recommend them to anybody excellent that's a good good go-to all right well this has been really valuable i know for me personally it's been a pleasure to kind of dive in and deepen a little bit you know every inch of depth <laughs> i feel a lot and uh thank you for being part of that deepening for me personally dickon and i know that a lot of people will probably be touched as well so thanks again for your time and peace and love and until next time oh, you're welcome thanks benjamin appreciate it